Hi, this is Steve with Navigating Life as We Know It, and I'm here with my co-host, Carrie Johnson. Hi there. Today we're visiting with Levi Shemtoff and Bazi Shemtoff at the Farber Center's Soul Cafe. And we're talking about employment and training opportunities for people with disabilities. That's right. And there's really a great story on how all of this came about. The most recent acquisition was the Dakota Bread Company, and it just seems like the Timing was amazing. It was kind of a God thing where the the availability of the Dakota Bread Company and their need for another place for people to work, and all this happened in the middle of a pandemic. Right. Let's get to that. Welcome to Navigating Life as We Know It, a podcast about celebrating ability, embracing diversity, and living inclusively. I'm your host, Steve Johnson. Today, our guests are from the Friendship Circle, co-founders Lavi Shemtov, Executive Director, and Basi Shemtov, the Executive Program Director. Thank you both for your time today. I know that you have busy schedules, and we're really honored that you would sit down with us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Today's focus is on employment and the training opportunities you have for individuals with disabilities at the Soul Cafe, the Soul Studio, and now the Dakota Bread Company. But first, it's it's nice to know what a company does and maybe what their mission statement and vision statement is, but I wanted to read your vision statement because I think it makes all the difference in the world. Friendship Circle is founded upon the idea that within each person is a soul, and that soul is equal and worthy of boundless love. With this inspiration, the lives of the families we serve are enhanced while the volunteers reap the rewards of selfless giving. I think if I were to have 50 vision statements from corporations separated from the names of the companies, I wouldn't always be able to match up the vision statements of the corporation because the vision isn't always evident in the corporation. Sometimes it's window dressing. But this is spot on. What you see is the value of the individual, that perfect soul, worthy of love, drives everything you do. And I don't know how you could not succeed with that type of vision. What you do is amazing. And um, I'm thrilled to be here and to talk about what you do to help create these jobs for people. Because I know that that's the next big step. Many of us have children with disabilities that are now in their 20s and 30s. And they are eager to do something productive. They're eager eager to have that extra meaning in their life and produce something that puts them in society. And from what I've seen, what you've done here, it's the model. It's the gold standard. Thank you very much. Thank you for your kind and genuine words. And I I know that you're committed to the same thing that we're committed to. And getting the word out is something that's very important for our mission. And you, you help us and other organizations and worthy programs do that. So we're happy to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting us. Well, actually, it's interesting because we're at your place. (laughs) That's kind of strange calling you the guest because we're the guest actually at this point. You told me before about an analogy about a puzzle, about that odd piece. And I thought that was beautiful. Could you say that again? Because I think many of us people that listened to that about 18 months ago might not be the same people listening now. And I think it illustrates very, very well how you look at individuals and with disability and their need to belong. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we actually, I've, I've repeated that so many times that actually we made a small little minute and a half video thing depicting that uh, parable. So the idea is that um, 
people have a a desire, a strong need to know their people, especially sensitive people and people that have difficulties in one way or another. A lot of times what they're missing is they want to know where do they fit in in this world. And I use the example of shapes. You sort of gave away the punchline, but I use an <laughs> example. I, I, I use the example of shapes, and I say, you know, there are people that are square, there are people that are circle, there are people that are rectangle and triangles, and there are those kinds of people in the world. And then there there are people that just are in different shapes. They're zigzaggy and have different shapes, and they could be beautiful shapes. And th- the metaphor is that someone that's square, circle, triangle, rectangle never has a question where they fit in. They know where they are. Everything they see in the world is shaped like them. What if you have this zigzag shape? Then you're worried, where do I fit in? Where is my place in this world? And what people answer them is they say, you're beautiful. You're a beautiful shape. And in the metaphor, it's, you know, you're smart, you're great, you're talented. And really, that's not what they want to hear. They want to know what their purpose is. What our answer is, which is a faith-based answer, and that is, you're, if God put you on this world, there's a reason why he put you here. And if he put you here, then there's something in this world that you need to do and something that only you can do. So that is similar to a puzzle. So a puzzle, there's no one piece that's more significant than another piece. The puzzle has to be completed and every piece is needed in there. So when I tell you, you're a piece of a puzzle. So I don't have to tell you how beautiful you are and how smart you are and how talented you are. All I have to tell you is that you're a part of a puzzle. Now, the other place where that metaphor takes you is that once you know that there's a place where you belong, finding it becomes a lot easier. Because if you, if I throw a hundred pieces on a table and I say this may or may not be a puzzle, you'll never be able to put together a puzzle. One of the, one of the things that help you put together a puzzle is when you're confident that it, there are no pieces missing and every piece that's here is part of this puzzle. So just knowing that there's a part for you in this picture, and that the picture will not be complete without you. Just that itself, even before you figure out where it is, is very comforting and gives meaning. And that is a faith-based idea because without faith you can't be sure and tell somebody there's a purpose for you and there's meaning in this world. And you, you know, the person can retort and say, maybe I'm a mistake, maybe I'm not a maybe I'm not meant to be here. And that's where we're driven by our faith to share this message that when we see someone that struggles, we may not know where their place is, but we can absolutely tell them with 100% certainty that they were put here for a purpose. This world will not be perfect until they find their purpose and their mission. I don't think you can underestimate the comfort of that statement to somebody who's really searching and is really troubled. It's, we all want to belong. We all want to be part of a group that is valued within the group and creating value for other people. And that really nails it. That's, that's our message. Uh, you have an awesome number of volunteers here. 
and working with uh, younger children and working in other enterprises you have here, uh, like I'm sure you got paid employees here too. But where do the volunteers come from? So we have both teenagers that volunteer and adults. Uh, the teenagers work with the children, which is happening right now a mile away in our camp. Mm-hmm. It's another great place for you to check out one day. Um, and then we have about 200 adult volunteers, and they find out about Friendship Circle, and they are coming either to actually support a participant that's training to work in the kitchen or the front of the house of the cafe or at Dakota Bread. And then we have adults that work with the artists in our studios. And then the Lifetime. Yeah, and then we have adult volunteers in our Lifetown, which is for the children's division. Um, that's where we have 2,500 kids coming from schools all across Metro Detroit. And every morning we have about 20 volunteers that become the store owners of the village. And I saw that last time I was out here. And if oh, I was would. a kid, I would be just, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a cool cool place. It's the right size for children. Right. And it's got, it represents society right down there. And it's just a really cool place to teach those kind of skills. Uh, and, I, I again, the volunteers reap the rewards of selfless giving. I think it's great for someone's mental health to help somebody else. It's hard to focus on your own troubles when you're helping someone else. You know, when you were mentioning before about, you know, what Friendship Circle is doing for the individual with special needs, equally as important is what it does for the volunteers. Mm -hmm. So it's really giving the volunteers the opportunity to connect with that incredible shining soul, giving them the opportunity to create that relationship and receive that unconditional love that almost only that person that has special needs has the ability to give over that love and that true acceptance. So our volunteers literally thank us for giving them the opportunity to be able to be in this special environment of incredible people. That I would think that sometimes it could be an issue trying to attract volunteers, but it sounds like your volunteers bring your volunteers in. They do. Great position to be in. Yeah, thank God. What was the motivation to begin the vocational training at Friendship Circle through Dakota Bread and and Soul Cafe? So when we started Friendship Circle 20, almost 27 years ago. We reached out to families of children with special needs and we said, um, you know, we're here for you and we're going to create programs and we're going to embrace you with love and inclusion and, um, and respect and you're going to become part of our family. And when you say that and you mean it, then it has uh, natural consequences. And one of the natural consequences of that is, is that when they get older, if your family, um, when the, you can't age out of being in a family. Right. So as the kids got older, the, of the, our original group of, of uh, children that we had in our circle, as they got older, the parents kept telling us, you know, what now? Know, what are you doing? Uh, you know, are we no longer part of Friendship Circle? Our kids have needs, and actually, what we discovered is that the the needs of individuals with special needs actually, in a way, in in some ways, increase after they get older because um, up until twenty six years old, they could be in school. You know, some kids, some some graduate earlier, but they can be in school up until twenty six years old. So what we were providing them while they were in school 
was very important um, inclusive activities and socialization and friendship, but really they had what to do all day. And then when they get older and they're no longer, they're after their 26th birthday, then there's like a, a more difficult problem of what do they do now and what do they do all day? And they came mostly to Basi and said, uh, you know, what, are, what are we going to do now? And we knew we had to answer that question. It kind of forces you to come up with a response, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, like no choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's, that's great because how many people do you have now in training, roughly? Um, roughly, I would say... Between Seoul and Dakota? Yes. Between. Probably about 40, 40 trainees. And then we have about 80-some adults that are working in the studio. Okay. Are some of those to the point yet of moving on to other occupations, other places? or There are a few that kind of graduated out, but we have quite a few that are working as a typical employee here mm -hmm. at the cafe or Dakota. So there are different spots. It's either in the training program or they graduate and they're a regular staff member. Okay. Our goal is to be able to staff you know, several of the participants and some that are trained and want to go out and get a different job. That works as well. And I bet you have a high level of uh, satisfaction with those folks. Yeah, thank God. Some of your videos show that they are really, really enjoying themselves and feeling yes. valued. Yes. Yeah. How has how the pandemic, which isn't over yet, <laughs> how has that affected your families and the individuals in your training programs? So the, the individuals and the families, you know, people, you know, so the people who are isolated before are, are even more isolated now. And... Um, you know, some of the people that we serve were very good with technology, and they were able to participate in our online activities. All of our activities went online, and uh, we actually had people who previously were not able to participate in person, and, and because of because things were online, they were able to participate. Um, the job coaching, um, so the studio, for instance, you know, we, we had people do art, at home and we would send materials and we would have group instruction and individual instruction but they uh, really wanted to come back into the studio and as soon as we were able to safely we had them come even if only for a half a day a week or two half days a week and spread out with masks they still really wanted to come the bakery we bought the bakery during the pandemic and we uh, we ran uh, that's a that's as essential as you can get is baking bread. Um, so we uh, we were there and we had some trainees there and it was we had to have a, a scale down program, but it was uh, but we were able to work. Yeah, I mean once we were able to open it up fully, the participants were just flooding. I mean everybody was just so excited to be with their friends. It was it's and now watching the studio in action, it's it's just full force. Everybody's creative and expressing themselves and happy as ever and hanging out with their fellow artists. It's really beautiful. You tend to value even more something that's been taken away for a while. Yeah. And you get it back again and it's like, whoa. You really appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you, in terms of training, you've got a lot of different tasks for each of these operations like Dakota Bread and Cafe and the Art Studio. Are most of your trainers volunteers then? So we have a lead trainer, Lisa Kowalski, who's 
phenomenal. And she really is the one developing the full process and plan. And then we have our head uh, baker, Mm -hmm. Dave, who is amazing and really is the good partnering support to creating the right process of the training. And then we have, thank God, great volunteers that support that as well. Okay. Was the head baker from the previous owner? No, actually, he was with our Soul Cafe group, and he moved into Dakota once we purchased it. Okay. And I I think that it's important that um, the training and the bakery are not seen as two separate things. So it's important that... Yeah. So we have Lisa, who's focused exclusively on the training, but Dave, who's the manager, who's the head baker and manages the bakery... He is intimately involved and is part of the development and implementation of the training and invested in it. Tremendously. He really cares and really respects our young people with special needs. If you ever want to interview him, I would recommend that. Yeah. He's he's great. And Lisa, I mean, they, they both are genuinely, like, really into it and excited about the program. I really believe in our... Our young people. It, it, usually, it turns out that people that do that have disability in their own family, uh, kids or nephews, nieces, things like that, brothers, sisters. Uh, do any of these folks have any family connections? Yeah, they each have a child with special needs. Okay. Dave was working for uh, for us at Soul. You know, bef- I mean, nothing to do with that connection. Mm-hmm. He was just working in the kitchen. Um, but once he got, once we purchased Dakota and he was going to be the head baker, he just obviously, he went right into this idea and supporting it strongly. In, in fact, he was, he was, we had a vision to start a pilot program for the bakery and Dave was working for us and with the idea that when, as soon as we opened the bakery, he would be part of that development and the way you happened to get the bakery, the timing and everything, I remember talking with you last year and you were amusing over what the next step would be because you had these young adults growing older. And then this comes along and the previous owner retires and sells. You can't help but think that there was some God uh, involvement in this but because the timing, it just seems to be uh, divinely inspired. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we had um, the chairman of our board, Ron Hodes was um, the one really pushing for the bakery and wanted us to have a, a bakery um, and saw this need. So what happened was as we, uh, to go back to uh, to take you from where Bassi left off and take us to the bakery. Mm-hmm. So Bassi actually traveled the country to see what people are doing with adults who have special needs, what are good innovative programs. So she saw uh, cafes and restaurants and art studios. Those were two things that, and we were in the unique vision of what we're doing here is that we brought them together. Because we have the cafe next to the studio and that answers a deficiency in other, not a, I don't want to say a challenge that other studios have, is that a lot of times these studios become isolating and workshop-like. Sure. And uh, by having the cafe next to it, it brings people from the community into the studio, which uh, some people think is distracting, but it's the opposite. It, it, it creates a, a more inclusive environment in, by people walking in from the studio, from the cafe to the studio. But when we piloted the Soul Cafe for having 
some of the people that, that we serve working as trainees here, we started it by doing a baking program in another kitchen. And that went, that was very successful. Unfortunately, when we came over to the cafe, some of the people who did very well at baking did not do well at, um, at working in the cafe and because it's a different skill set. Mm-hmm. Ironically, what we were baking, it's not, not a coincidence, you know, we're a Jewish organization. Mm-hmm. What we were baking in the pilot program was a bread called challah, which is a Jewish-style bread uh, that people eat on traditionally on the Sabbath. And that's what we baked, and, and, and that, was, that was all we baked. And then, so we said, so this, our chairman of a board, Ron, said, we have to make a bakery. We have to make a bakery so that we capture everyone and that we could serve everyone. Not only the people that can make it in the studio, the, there are people that can, can't, can't make it in a cafe but can make it in a bakery, let's open a bakery. And then he was talking to another board member uh, and said, and he was telling everyone, he was saying, we have to be the next Dakota bread. <laughs> and the reason why he said the next Dakota bread is because Dakota bread had what everyone considered the best challah. Okay. And um, so he was saying this over to Howard Schwartz, and Howard says, let's go see if Dakota bread would sell to us so we don't have to be the next Dakota bread. Yeah. And it's... Uh, and the craziest thing is that Dakota means friendship. Okay, I, mean, I didn't know that. Just search it on Google. When, yeah. we, when we found that, you know, we had a, you know, a company, we had a PR company that was looking, we asked about, should we change the name? And they said, we just looked it up. Dakota <laughs> means friendship. You know, you're, okay, you're now, now, now tell me that's coincidental. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. And Dakota is known as, you know, what they're known for is the bread that brought us the hollow bread to the breaker to the idea of the bakery that's what they were known for yeah I mean when we were thinking of making a bakery we didn't think of hollow specifically we were going to be a bakery that would make hollow amongst mm-hmm. other things and now there happened to have been a bakery for sale that a huge percentage of their sales is is this bread that we wanted to be known for so it's it you know, checks off so many marks that it's uh, that it's it's really amazing we have a couple bags full of your bakery products we're taking back home. Yeah, the challah? <laughs> yes, the challah hot dog buns. The... <laughs> and today uh, at uh, Soul Cafe here, I had the challah tuna melt. T- tuna melt, good. Okay. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Uh, do you have any in particular success stories uh, with some individuals to the employment program? Yeah, so we have um, David Cole, who if you ordered a drink. He's the one that made the drink for you. Okay. Um, he trained to be the barista. And this is a young man who really did not, you know, he's tried to get jobs in the past. Um, and he, he got a few different kinds of jobs working with younger children and things like that. Um, but one of his dreams was to be a barista. And it took a little time. And now after COVID, you know, once we reopen, we brought in another support barista Mm-hmm. And together, they are able to handle the busiest lunch, breakfast and lunch times. And you could just see he's taken ownership and he's just the happiest person to be coming to work. I mean, we're, what coffee shop do you go to that the barista is excited to be working? I don't know. Do you? 
I mean, it doesn't usually happen. We'll come here and I gotta you... think the coffee is better when the barista is excited exactly. about it. Exactly. And you actually have somebody with a happy smile welcoming yeah. you instead of being annoyed that you came to bother them to get a drink, you know? So that has that's really like a real success story and and in the bakery we have jacob who is involved is really excited about baking love baking um so he originally trained in our in our other kitchen and then went there and he's you know an important part of our r&d team you know Mm -hmm. he uh, he comes up with his own so cool recipes and dave discusses them with him and they create new some of the baked goods that you probably bought were developed by him, you know, with his with his input, he's he gets so much happiness. From I it. like to bake myself and cook, and and that to me would be just the perfect job. Except I'd probably gain twenty pounds because <laughs> you got a sample, right? <laughs> How do you know you're hitting the mark unless you try it? Uh, what what advice would you give to folks in other communities that looking to support their special needs community in ways that are similar to what you've done here? I would say to first realize that you're not doing anybody a favor by creating opportunities for young people with special needs to come work. You're actually doing yourself a favor um, by opening up your businesses in whatever way possible and inviting those young people who may have their own special needs and giving giving them the time that they need to be trained, you will get so much more in return by just the energy that they'll bring to your space and actually plain and simply the good work that they're going to perform. So look at it like a win-win mm-hmm. and that your employees are going to have a better um, a better working environment by bringing some young people or any people I mean, that when, are special needs. When we, before we bought Dakota, we had a meeting with the, with the employees that were there and they were nervous about what it would be like, you know, integrating people with special needs into their, and they're all, they all love it. And they're happy. And these are people, some of them that were never exposed to that. And if you go back to the metaphor of the puzzle, you know, without these people in the puzzle, your puzzle is not complete. And that's, uh, it's, you know, that we all need, we all need everyone to be a part of it. Or else we're, all, we're not there. And I think statistics pretty much prove, although I don't have them in front of me, <laughs> that employers that hire people with disabilities and it's a good match for the job because it fulfills their interest the absenteeism is way way low the productivity is higher yeah Uh, everybody wins in that situation and in some cases those people might even work themselves out of benefits and be in a position to have all kinds of choices in society they had they did not have before absolutely yeah it's 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 a way better space when you have those people with us in our communities and all it takes is is faith that they could do it believe in them and um, give them the space to prove themselves and give them time and train them they might need a little bit more training that's the only added piece that would be expected out of an employer to do i know that in a conversation we had before you had mentioned that to duplicate something like you have done starting the way you did which was just announcing that you intend these people to be family and then showing up and following their lead seems to be how you develop friendship circle and everything that came beyond that which is of course the soul cafe and everything else so 
I think it's the sincerity of the belief, the depth of the commitment makes all the difference in the world. And I love what you said, Bossy, that you're not doing anybody a favor. Yeah. Because that's a little bit patronizing, isn't it? Right. And it's not right. And it's right. And it's just like, it's not true. It's, it's really it's really what we try to teach our volunteers and the general community that comes through our doors in the cafe every day mm-hmm. is there's no pity. There's no sadness. There's no, you know, you're coming in here. You are lucky to be in the presence of a special human being. And there's so much that we could learn from them. You're filtering out ableism, in other words, right? They're valuable just for who they are. Yeah. Which goes back to your values. Yeah. You have some robust fundraising events in the course of a year, your walkathon and other things that you I've seen you promote. But you also make some big investments in people. And I know that whenever you're a nonprofit and you're raising funds, there gotta be sometimes a little bit nervous, but something always happens and it comes through and it seems to work out for you the timing. How can other people help? What can we do? I know you've got a donate button. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has a donate button if they're a don- nonprofit. We have, a, we have a donate button, exactly. Yeah. And and that's, you know, one of the, about depending on the year, between 12 and uh, 16%, that was our biggest year, is the amount of our budget that comes in in fees. Mm-hmm. So everything else comes in in fundraising and grants. And um, of all the fundraising, what we really like the belt most is the walk. Um, the walk is uh, this year. August 29th. August 29th. And the reason why we like the walk is because the walk gives an opportunity for people who we serve to tell their story to their friends and family and ask them to contribute. So this is a, it's mostly a friends asking friends campaign. So this is where our families, our volunteers, our staff, people who, members of the community, people who know us and appreciate what we do, they get a chance to tell the story and say, please come, we're trying to raise this amount of money, we're trying to raise 500, 5,000, 10,000, 250, $250, whatever number they pick and they make a goal. And then at the day of the walk, they come here together to celebrate the achievement achievement of their fundraising and what the fundraising represents that with their money we're creating this um, inclusive beautiful community so the walk brings in about five hundred thousand dollars so it's a it's a nice portion of what we do um, maybe 20 25 percent of our budget but it's it's much more than that because it it brings um, brings a community together and that's really what we're all about and I don't live in eastern Michigan. I love West Michigan, but I do follow you on Facebook and some of the things, and I can see that is a big event. Yes. And you have a lot of community participation. You've been on the news with it, you know, and yeah. just different guest positions. Um, so it seems to be successful, and I think that they really missed it last year. Right. So this year we're actually doing, we're doing, a, our walk is going to be from one of our buildings to the other building. So okay. we're, So it's going to be a... Uh, we're creating a fun wooded pathway. Oh. That will go. That will connect both centers. 29th, huh? August it's worth 29th. it to come out. I'm going to try to be here. <laughs> Our path, we're actually going to bring the art from the studio and deck out the path. What a great idea. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be very cool. So you started Friendship Circle in 1984, 27 years ago. Did you have any idea back then where you would be today? No, no. And, and we didn't have a vision. We weren't, we weren't uh, ambitious. That, that's not what this was about. 
this was. It was really about seeing what we do and, and who we can help. And that, that's, that's what everything was. And, and, and interesting, one of the first things we did was uh, visit people in prison. You know, that was one of the, you know, because it was all about asking the question, who needs people to see them for the layer deeper than what everyone else sees them? That was the question. So we answered, one of the answers was people with addiction, people with mental health. And one of the, another one was people in prison. And now 27 years later, my, my son, who's a 20, my fourth child, our, our fourth child is a 22 year old rabbi in training is, that's, that's what he's doing for, with his summer is visiting prisons. Texas. <laughs> well, well, they so, have a lot of prisoners in Texas, don't they? <laughs> I think we have listeners in Texas. They ought to be careful. Um, I, you know, uh, in everything you said in terms of, let's say, addiction or or some of the mental illness issues that people have, they are disabilities. They're not right. what we normally think about in terms of developmental disability. So it's consistent that you're serving the whole population as it appears itself. Absolutely. And, it's anyone who struggles with being included in the community. And that, that's yeah. really our, to bring people from outside to inside the community, from exclusion to inclusion. So that's all part of the mission. And I would think that in terms of prison population, rehabilitation is far more successful when you do that than what the typical model happens to be. Right. So some, some of the areas that we have, I know this is a, a universal program. Uh, some of the some of the models that we have there are very good religious organizations that do a very good job that serve the population of their religion. Mm-hmm. So those programs, our focus is on people of the Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. So there are wonderful Christian organizations that work with people who suffer from addiction and people that are in prison. And Jewish people who suffer from addiction and or or are in prison, you know, there's not there really isn't the kind of service that there is available for people of other faiths. So those programs specifically focus on the Jewish sure. population. The other programs, are, you know, the, the need is universal and it's everywhere. So mm-hmm. we serve we serve where, their need, where the need is and anyone who is created in the image of God that needs uh, that needs this message and we're here for. I know 18 months ago when I was here, you used the phrase that I really loved it, you are faith-driven, but only some of the programs are faith-infused because you're seeing everybody as equal in terms of their need. Right. Everybody is included in that beautiful soul. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Is there, what, what's next on the horizon? Pizza parlor? <laughs> of course you make pizzas here, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> there, there, are you waiting for instructions? <laughs> no, I, I, you know, really, what happens is, what really happens is, is that we um, we have all these ideas. The ideas float around and are there, and it really comes together with an opportunity and a donor interest. We're guided by, uh, you know, God guides us and finds us the the donor and the opportunity to come. So, you know, we had, at the same time that we knew the bakery was a long-term vision, we had other things that were just as, as you know, at the same level of priority, and that may have become our next big program. But then, you know, obviously the way things happen, that uh, a bakery became available right in our community, and so that was, 
our sign that that was uh, that was our next one. I so get this. I get this image in my head that you put your goals and your, your dreams. Let's put it that way. The ideas and you kind of raise it up, and then God takes that and puts it together <laughs> with opportunity and brings it back down. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And there's always a and and the way how that happens is we're not calling out listening for a voice. You know, right. we, we the opportunity for you know right now you know one of our ideas is uh, is a respite house for mm-hmm. that families of children with special needs can drop their kids off for a few days. So if we have, there's a donor that is showing some interest in it. We also have a need for a good property to expand our day camp. So I, I don't know which one of those things will come first. And there's probably, you know, we have a teen mental health division that could use a lot of growth that has a lot of growth potential. So there's many of our programs have a lot of growth potential and where it will grow is really how we're guided. Uh, you know, even our team mental health program now it was something that we started because we were exposed to the team mental health crisis by having a team volunteer club. So we started a team mental health program and that could have become, you know, a small program or a big program or an even bigger program. And, and we, um, God helped us find a family who was committed to, uh, youth mental health because of a, um, they harnessed the the, the uh, terrible energy of a of a, a loss in their family. Mm-hmm. And they harnessed that energy to turn it into something positive to save lives, and they um, started a foundation called Andrew Kukis Foundation for uh, Social Anxiety, and um, and we partnered with them, and they invested in our teen mental health program called You Matter, and then that helped it expand it and take it to the next level. So it's really partnerships and, and the community coming together and creating a circle. So we have our ears on the community with what the next program is and what people are interested in supporting. The way becomes apparent as you move along. Yes. yes. It's beautiful. Yeah. There's another cool thing that is actually in the works right now, a smaller piece, but something very special. Um, there's a company called Phantom Auto out of California who reached out to us Um they heard about it from one of the dads of our adults with special needs. Um, uh, this guy who writes for the Forbes magazine wrote an article on them and told them about Friendship Circle. And basically, it's a company that develops a software that controls those small robots that deliver food. Okay. And they want to train our young adults with special needs to actually do this job just with portals set up that we could probably bring in this space right here and have adults that want to have a job controlling these robots, um, they could learn how to control them and have a job. Our, you know, our so the job. robots deliver food? Yeah, and you could deliver it from here to California. I could be controlling I'm just going to ask from here to Holland, Michigan, but if you go to California... It's usually in dense areas. Like, okay, but yeah. in Ann Arbor, they have them. Chicago, California, New York... And so the robot's not going from here to Grand Rapids. Okay, okay. The robot <laughs> station, the robot probably moves within yeah. like a half a mile. And right. Just, but right. they'd have robots in Grand Rapids, too, is that what no. you're saying? You can, yeah. yeah, exactly. Probably, yeah. Wherever you, but you can control it from your home. When you combine technology with, with need and opportunity, it's, it's, it's I, I can't even imagine. But those things come up and yeah. cool ideas. Yeah. So what, how was it a... Uh, um, tough for you to go on that trip and go visit cafes and stuff oh, so hard <laughs> <laughs> the worst part of the job i would think that, that would be a delightful to go yeah. and 
have coffee and test things out and <laughs> ask questions of people. And yeah, very exciting. Exciting to see everybody's great work and be able to pull whatever would make most sense for our community. And it's like nobody, I have found in the disability community, nobody feels like there's any competition. Everybody's willing to help other people be successful Correct. and share the best ideas yes. and, and find out how that could be developed better because they get something out of that relationship also. For sure. That's all I really had for right now. That's good. I, I think that... Uh, you have to save, save some material for a third interview, right? <laughs> There'll always be something to come back for. Thanks so much, okay, you guys. This is Carrie, and this is the Chat Cafe portion of our podcast. And I'm here with Steve to just do a quick recap of the interview that you just heard. This really was a bit of an interview in regards to employment opportunities. And Rabbi Levi Shemta does a great job with his parable. He talked about a puzzle, about how everybody is a different type of a piece. There are some square pieces, some round pieces, some shaped like triangles. And everybody seems to know what their place is in the puzzle and what their purpose is. But once in a while you find a piece that's very odd shape. It's uh, very different from the other ones. And that person might not feel that they are important, that they fit in. They don't know what role they play in the whole picture. He said, every piece is needed in order to make the puzzle. Regardless of what shape that is, that shape was made for a purpose and it fits in the picture and nothing's complete without it. And I think it's a great way to look at people who might be different, who feel that they don't belong, who feel that they're excluded. The fact is that they have gifts and they have a unique way of offering something to the world. Everyone is put here for a purpose. And there is always something for you to do. You have to try things to find out. When they started 27 years ago, I love that they had very simple ideas, love, inclusion, and respect. And it's, it's also very interesting how things come along for them. They bought a bakery during the pandemic. I mean, it's... crazy time. And they did it. The person who was doing the baking at the Soul Cafe. At the Soul Cafe. Moved right over to becoming the head baker at the Dakota Bread Company. And eager to do it. And yes. And just, it's it's almost like there he was getting ready for this thing to happen. And then it happened. And I love when he mentioned they had a conversation with the employees of the former owner. And some of them were kind of concerned about change in management. And they didn't know what it'd be like to work with people with disabilities. But it turns out that all of them love it because they realize the value of the people they're working with. Right. That is really a, a great message of inclusion and, and respect. Right. And that kind of brings me up to my next note that I had had here about, you know, you aren't doing someone with a disability a favor bringing them job opportunities. Bossy had mentioned that. This is not some kind of a do-good thing. Uh, it does good. However, these are very hardworking individuals who take pride in what they do. They show up to work, they do their jobs, and they do them properly, and they do they excel at it, as a matter of fact. Uh, Bossy had said that in many cases, it might take a little bit longer in training, but what you get back is amazing. And in terms of the culture of the workplace, 
Hiring people with disabilities is not doing them a favor. It's doing everybody a favor. It's definitely a win-win-win situation. Right. How exciting. The other thing that I just absolutely adore about Friendship Circle and all the different things that they do is that their whole goal is to bring people from the outside to the inside. And this isn't just about people with disabilities. This is about people with addictions, people with disabilities, people returning into the community, having gone to prison. This, they all fit into our puzzle of life. Which gets back to another quote from uh, Lavi Shemtov that I'll never forget because it just it, it really informs the way I look at the world now. He mentioned that uh, they see people as perfect souls worthy of infinite love. Everyone has a perfect soul worthy of infinite love. And that might that soul might be covered by disability, it might be covered by an addiction, it might be covered by a prison record, it could be covered by mental illness. But underneath that is a perfect soul worthy of infinite love. And when you look at the world that way, it does give you the ability to see that people just want to be included. They want to be part of a solution. And that's, to me, the best way to fix what's wrong with this world. You know, it can't be. It can't be wrong. Things just keep moving towards all of the goals that they have. They just all seem to pop up. Not necessarily in the order that they're thinking of them, but things move, stuff happens. There it is. It's such a wonderful, uplifting, fabulous... mm, It's a resource for humanity. That's the way I look at it. I did ask 27 years ago when you started this, did you have any idea where you would be now? And he didn't hesitate. No, that wasn't, they never had a plan like that. They kind of let God direct where they're going by the need became apparent and the proximity that maybe the resources became apparent, property or a business or whatever. It all comes together and their dream and their goals and they raise it up to God. God decides the the sequence in which isn't going to happen. Not to say there wasn't a lot of work involved. No, there no, wasn't a lot no. of a lot of uh, sweat and labor involved in that. But it's a labor of love. But the opportunity was met with the right resources and the correct donors at the right time. I don't know how you can fail when you have that kind of divine support. <laughs> Right. How wonderful. It, it really is. And when you're in the presence of, of Levi Shemtov and his wife, Basi, you feel that you are with people who have a tremendous amount of empathy, who really care about people, and who feel that, that it is their job to make the world a better place. They kind of get it. They absolutely get it. And they help other people get it, too. Right. You know, even talking about their um, fundraiser, this walk, they said, well, it's just friends asking friends. What happens is the, their supporters, their friends, ask other friends because they all have the, the conviction that this is the right thing to do. You, yeah. When people are involved in it and they get to know it, not all people with disability, just people no, in the community. Yeah. They just see it's a wonderful thing for humanity. Right. And, and they see, this, they see it, it going and growing. And, you know, and, and it's also a matter of bringing the community in also. You know, they're not exclusionary about that either. It's like, no. yeah, have your friends, bring your friends. Come in, come see. Look, d- see what we do. Just And it just rolls right out. It just and, and goes on and on and on. So cool. 
and I believe it, they said it was the 29th of August. I might be wrong. It could be within a couple of days of that. But that's something that I would like to take you to because you have not met them yet. I have not been to the Friendship and, Circle. And uh, if we, there'll be a lot of people there. But if you get a chance to see that, you're going to fall in love with the organization and the people. Great. That is about it. Thank you, folks, for listening. I would also recommend go back to the last season and listen to the first episode of the friendship circle i think it would do a great deal to give you some background as to what we're talking about in this one indeed thank you much for listening thank you for tuning in to navigating life as we know it your hosts have been steve and carrie johnson alexander stark aka me is your producer and editor holly johnson maintains our website and helps write our blog articles and daniela muñoz helps with research outreach and social media We couldn't do what we do without every person here, including you, our listeners, who give us the most important thing of all, purpose. Until next time, Enlocky is a production of Envision Media Group, LLC.